This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. Our next guest on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. is Peggy Grandy. Peggy Grandy was executive assistant to the U.S. President Ronald Reagan from 1989 to 1999 after he left the White House. She's author of the book, The President Will See You Now, which details her decades serving this iconic figure. She serves on the National Board for the Royal Commonwealth Society, the U.S. branch. And on behalf of our distinguished co-host, Governor Phil Bryant and Natasha Sardorch on America's Roundtable, we all join in welcoming Peggy to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Peggy. Welcome, Peggy. Thank you so much for having me on. What a privilege it is. Well, Peggy, the Publishers Weekly, a trade publication of the industry, uh, presented a review of your book, and I quote, she writes that her work with Reagan strengthened her optimism, values, and patriotism. From a staunch Republican view, she chronicles the failures of Democratic leadership, past and present, and lauds the vitality, humility, traditional beliefs, and vision of the popular 40th president. And a further quote states, Grandy reveals a powerful bond the president had with his wife Nancy, his key advisor and protector, unquote. Peggy, could you briefly share with us one or two key highlights of your time serving as the executive assistant to Ronald Reagan after his two terms as president of the United States? Well, thank you for that great introduction. And I am so pleased that the book has been so widely received by a wide range of critics and fans as well. And the wonderful things that they said about him just gave me an opportunity to reflect the incredible person that he was. Being able to, I guess, pick out one or two things would be very difficult to do. But I can say that I was the luckiest woman in the world to have a front row seat to history, to have a chance to watch this man When the cameras weren't rolling, when he thought nobody was watching, I was always watching. And so what did I learn? Sitting outside his door every day for 10 years, watching the great communicator interact with everybody from everyday patriotic Americans to world leaders, how he changed my life and my perception of what leadership at the highest and best looks like. Right, Peggy. And as you mentioned, the world leaders, uh, Margaret Thatcher, United Kingdom's prime minister, wrote a book called Statecraft, Strategies for a Changing World, which was published in 2002, with the following words on the dedication page. This book is dedicated to Ronald Reagan, to whom the world owes so much. Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher's friendship and special relationship extended to the special relationship between the two countries, the United States of America and the United Kingdom. Peggy, what are your observations about this friendship and special relationship during your time with President Reagan? 
What a privilege it was to be able to witness their friendship firsthand. Margaret Thatcher came and visited the office several times. We hosted several events in her honor. So it was wonderful to see them behind the scenes when they were just acting as friends, not as world leaders, and to realize that when it really came all down to it, diplomacy on the world stage does look a lot like relationships. It's not like rhetoric. It's it's not all political. It's very personal. And to see her wonderful sense of humor, she and the president would inevitably be laughing at each other and just enjoying each other's company. And even Mrs. Reagan and Lady Thatcher truly enjoyed each other. One of the favorite photos in my book actually I snapped after a black tie event and it's in the Oval Office replica up at the Reagan Library and Ronald Reagan is sitting there leaning back in the couch kind of slouched back with his eyes rolled in the back of his head as if come on, ladies, stop talking. Let's go home. And the women are in rapt conversation with their shoes kicked off, stocking feet, having a glass of wine after this event. And it's very human moment where you realize, yes, these people led the world, but at the end of the day, they were just friends. And that was really incredible to see firsthand. In the early 2003, when we met with one of our founding partners of the International Leaders Summit, none other than the Nobel Laureate in Economics, Dr. Milton Friedman. And when we asked him, who would you say would be the greatest reformers of our time? And without hesitation, Peggy, he said, Ronald Reagan, Lady Thatcher. And that says a lot about the leadership of these two individuals. One of the things I learned from Ronald Reagan is, I guess, especially working for him as a very young person, I guess I thought you had to choose one of two paths. You could either be strong and successful or you could be a kind, good person. (laughs) But I didn't know that you could actually be both. And so whether it was Ronald Reagan, whether it was Lady Margaret Thatcher, these were people who had this beautiful humanity to them. There was a charisma, there was a charm, there was a personal connection, and yet nobody doubted their fortitude and their resolve on the world stage. Nobody doubted how strong Ronald Reagan was. He went toe-to-toe with the Soviet Union, challenged Mikhail Gorbachev to tear the wall down, and by the way, the wall came down. But it was couched in this beautiful humanity, and especially as a young person, that made a huge impact on me to watch the very personal side of these very powerful figures. One of the many legacies of Ronald Reagan is the fall of the Berlin Wall that you just mentioned. During his speech in West Berlin on June 12, 1987, President Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, President Reagan called for Mikhail Gorbachev, who was the general secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, to remove the wall that had been separating East and West Berlin and the communist Eastern Europe from the West. Peggy, the Berlin Wall came down in 1989, just two years after President Reagan's speech. What are your observations from being with Reagan during the fall of the Berlin Wall and his relationship with Mikhail Gorbachev after that? It was amazing meeting Gorbachev for the very first time. And to see this man walking toward Ronald Reagan, the birthmark very prominent on his forehead, you think that actually is him. And to realize that these two men for quite a while held in their power 
basically the opportunity to destroy the world and yet had taken that and somehow formed, if you could call it a friendship and a mutual sense of respect. And we hosted Gorbachev up at the library in President Reagan's office and then up at the ranch, which was an interesting experience. And if you know anything about Gorbachev's background, he was actually raised on a farm. And so to see these two men who loved the earth, loved the soil, loved horses to interact in that very special place was quite a unique experience. And to realize that these two men were able to put down arms literally and figuratively and to embrace each other in a sense of friendship was really remarkable. You know, Ronald Reagan spoke very firmly out and against the Soviet Union, and he had done so back since the days that he was president of the Screen Actors Guild when there was the Red Scare in Hollywood. So this distrust of the Russian government, that is not something that he came to late in the game. That was something he had been aware of and pushing back against for decades. And so when he finally got the chance to meet Gorbachev, this was in a way part of his life goal. Um, he talked about Andropov and Brezhnev and Chernyanko, all in order had passed away. And then finally he said, well, maybe this younger leader is somebody who will live long enough that I can do some business with him. So it was something that he was committed to. He never wavered in calling this Soviet system something that was destined for the ash heap of history. He called them the evil empire, did this against his own State Department warning against him. But he was an optimist and he truly believed that it eventually would happen. He did not believe that system of government was sustainable. But I even think that maybe he was a little surprised at how quickly the wall did fall. But I, I do believe he always believed it would happen. Peggy, this past weekend, uh, we reflected on the life and legacy of Prince Philip. And as our leadership board were in the midst of writing a letter of tribute and sympathy that was sent to Queen Elizabeth II, as well as to the royal family, one of our advisory board members, Sir Ivan Lawrence encouraged us to include the term, the importance of sacred trust as well as duty. And when we reflect on the life and legacy of President Reagan, we're also reminded of a unique generation's sacrifices for the great cause of freedom and the sense of duty and sacred honor. And uh, we're all reminded about the various books, including yours, that speak about Reagan's character. Peggy, what are some of your observations of the leadership attributes and virtues that you saw when working in close proximity to President Ronald Reagan. Well, and just to touch briefly on the passing of Prince Philip, we saw the importance of that spouse relationship. Um, we certainly saw that with the Reagans as well. And what a wonderful support he had been to the Queen all those years. They said she was softer and lighter and brighter when he was around and that at events, she would constantly look across the room to see where he was and what he was doing. And often he would be looking back at her. And those examples are very reminiscent of how I described the Reagans and observe the Reagans. And so these political partnerships, these partnerships that are grounded in leadership, how vital it is to have the right person by your side. And I honestly believe we wouldn't have had the Ronald Reagan we had unless we had Nancy Reagan by his side. She, she brought out the best in him 
for the rest of the world to see. And some of those things then, leadership traits that we saw were a humility, gratitude, an authenticity, an optimism, and a commitment to write the legacy of his life with every single day of his life. And I saw that in beautiful ways firsthand behind the scenes every day for over a decade. Indeed, when we all observe, you know, the images of President Ronald Reagan during office and even during the post-presidency years, you could always see that smile, that sense of optimism and thinking and, and praying for a an America that has brighter days ahead of itself. On this next topic, which is rarely being discussed with honor in today's public square, is the subject of faith and our shared values and principles. President Reagan, after the assassination attempt on his very life, appreciated divine protection and Reagan said uh, he was giving the rest of his life to God as former British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher recalled in her tribute at Ronald Reagan's funeral service. Peggy, what were your observations on the significance of faith in the life of Ronald Reagan and perhaps the lessons for today's leaders? Well, his faith definitely came from his mother. He talked about his mother, Nell, as being the most important person in his early life. And she took him to church regularly and taught him to be a person of faith. She always raised him to believe that God has a plan for everything and everything will work out for good if you just trust and believe. And we wound up with a president eventually who was very rooted in that fundamental faith. It was something that informed every decision and every bit of his life. I believe it gave him a sense of calm and peace and probably fed into as well that that sense of humility. He felt like he was called to and was doing exactly what God had destined for him to do. And if you were doing that in your life, then we were basically equal. And so he never saw himself as anybody better or superior than anyone else. If you were fulfilling the role that God had given you to play here on earth, then you were exactly his equal. I saw, especially in his later years with his diagnosis of Alzheimer's and the way he faced that, he faced it boldly, bravely, trusting that God had informed and inspired every step of his life. And he trusted God to lead him through this next phase of his life as well. And his faith was unwavering in those final years and became something that he leaned into even more during those final years. Uh, Peggy, uh, there are a number of similarities between Roland Reagan and Donald Trump. They both started as members of the Democratic Party and were elected as Republican presidents. They both rejected or heavily redacted the speeches prepared by their aides. They did what they thought was right, regardless of political correctness. They both spoke directly to the people, shunning the mainstream media. And they both have major legacies. Reagan's leadership in the fall of the Berlin Wall, which freed the people of the communist Europe, and Trump's leadership in the Abraham Accords, bringing Arab nations and Israel together and also standing firm against communist China. They were both fighting against the obstacles placed by special interest groups and within the administration and remained principled in their approaches. Peggy, how would you describe an imaginary meeting between Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump today? <laughs> well, wouldn't we all love to be the fly on the wall in that room? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and to your point, as much as there certainly were stylistic differences, you could call them, in how they 
advocated their point of view and how they communicated. At their heart were two men who loved America, who loved Americans, and wanted to give voice primarily to those people they felt had been voiceless. We saw it with Ronald Reagan, whether it was bringing voice to people who had been oppressed all over the world. We saw it um, to reaching down across America to the heartland, to the Midwest, to people who had been harmed during the malaise of the 1970s. Taxes were high, inflation was high, unemployment was high. And he said, I see you and America's best days are ahead. And with optimism and a great plan of action, he was able to restore America to the greatness it should have been. When you asked him at the end of his eight years what he was most proud of, it wasn't any of his policies or things that he had implemented. He said, I made the American people believe in themselves again. I bet that Donald Trump would have that same feeling, whether it's 74, 75 million people who felt like they had been silenced and ignored and dismissed and not represented by the mainstream media or by the coastal elites, he gave voice to them. And I hope that he likewise is proud of the fact that he made the American people believe in themselves again. So as much as there are differences from a style point, the substance of those two men is very much the same. And America is the beneficiary of their leadership for all those years. Peggy, indeed. In fact, as we conclude our conversation and we look forward to having you back on a America's Roundtable in the days to come. We had briefly talked about key passages from your book, the book that you authored, The President Will See You Now, uh, focusing on the life and legacy of President Ronald Reagan. Peggy, would you be open to reading perhaps a brief excerpt uh, from one of your favorite parts of the book uh, that our listeners may uh, take a hold of and actually go and get that book from uh, a bookstore or order it from an online platform? I would love to, and your listeners and readers of this book will find that it's not a political book. It's really a character sketch. And so I would love to share with you a passage about going to the Reagan Library with Ronald Reagan himself and what that was like. And it'll give you a a feel for what's in the pages of these books. One particular visitor who loved going to the library time and time again was President Reagan himself. Whether it was to showcase this beautiful historic facility to a friend or a head of state or open a new exhibit, there was nothing like walking through the museum with the president and seeing how people would respond to seeing him there. They had come to learn about him, never imagining they would meet him. It was a little like the movie Night at the Museum for some of the guests there, where history literally came to life. People responded in two distinct ways when they saw him. The first group, as I had done when I first met him, took a step back as if observing him from a distance was enough, or perhaps too much. The second group made a beeline for him, which drew a quick response from the Secret Service, putting out their hand to shake his. It was as if they had rehearsed this moment a thousand times and were fully prepared when their chance meeting occurred. There wasn't much in between, an interesting, though unscientific, observation of mine. Kids, I noticed, usually fell into the second category, bold and unafraid to approach him. They loved him, and he loved nothing more than being surrounded by a giggling group of school children at his library. I usually had to pull him along to keep him on schedule. The kids would boo me, but the president would just laugh and point to me saying, she's telling me I need to go now, I better do what she says. One time we were getting ready to leave the library, the sky was especially clear and the sun was beginning to set. We saw a distant glimmer of the ocean in the distance and it felt as if we were on top of the world and could see forever atop a steep slope down to distant houses and fields. The president paused for a moment, 
And as we stood silently side by side, he looked over his left shoulder at his future memorial site, poorly disguised behind a few low hedges, the place where he and Mrs. Reagan would eventually be buried. He squared his body so the angle matched perfectly that of the burial site, and he turned to me and he said, I think I'll enjoy this view. He laughed to diffuse an otherwise awkward moment, and in spite of making me smile on the outside, just the thought of the day when we would lay him to rest there pained me deeply. He, however, seemed unaffected by the joke, comfortable to the core in who he was and in the remarkable life he had been given. I savored this quiet, peaceful moment and lingered extra long that day to enjoy the incredible view, both the beautiful landscape in front of me and the iconic profile to my left, lit beautifully with the warm glow of the setting California sun. Peggy, that was indeed yeah. uh, very inspiring. And, and thank you so much for that poignant excerpt from your book. And we would just encourage our listeners to seek out this book. The President Will See You Now, authored by Peggy Grandy, who served as executive assistant to U.S. President Ronald Reagan from 1989 to 1999 after he left the White House. And so for listeners, just uh, make sure that you get this book down. The President Will See You Now. Peggy, we thank you so much for joining us on America's Roundtable, and we look forward to having you rejoin us in the days to come. Thank you, Peggy. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Insami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.